0: Now I'll invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We've been looking these past weeks at the Word of Jesus as they're found in uh, this portion of God's Holy Word that we know as of the Sermon of the Mount. In this chapter, we've learned how we can find blessing in life and also how we can be a blessing to others. A couple of weeks ago, Jesus explained to us that, that God's intention for his people is that they, would, that they would live as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And we learn more in our passage today of what it is that's necessary to enable us to be able to do that, to fulfill that calling. We'll see that, that we... Function rightly as the salt of the earth and the light of the world as we live out certain callings that the Lord Jesus has placed upon his followers that enable us to show forth the light of Christ. Our sermon passage today is Matthew 5 verses 27 through 37. Let's turn our attention now again to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than to lose your whole body for it to go to into hell. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Please pray with me. Lord God, we do thank you for your enduring word. And we pray, Lord, that you will send your spirit to lead us into enduring truth. Lead us into the way everlasting, Lord, we pray. Do that through your word and through your spirit. Amen. Well, in our passage this morning, the Lord lays upon us several callings for our lives so that we can be blessed and so that others can be blessed by us as well. As we consider this passage, we'll see that the Christian is called to purity and to faithfulness. And to truthfulness. In our passage, Jesus calls his followers first to purity. And he does this as we began, as we began to see last week. He, he calls us to purity by first helping us to better understand God's desire for us from his law. In these passages, Jesus corrects what he sees as a, as a superficial or a too shallow view that people hold of God's law. And that same thing is possible for you and I as well. He does this in, in verse 27 when he says, "...you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus calls us to purity. And specifically in these verses, he he calls us to sexual purity in marriage. The, The biblical sexual ethic is that sexual relations, physical relations, are to be shared only within the bounds of marriage. That's the Lord's ideal for sex and for marriage. The the, the Lord desires for us to enjoy deeply satisfying physical relations in marriage. That's why the Lord's given us books of the Bible like like the Song of Solomon. or, Or like we've seen in our study of Proverbs. And elsewhere, portions of scripture which encourage us to find great joy and satisfaction in the arms of our wife or in the arms of our husband. But only in their arms, our hearts and our bodies are to be held exclusively for our spouse. You know, the the culture of Jesus' day understood that our bodies were rightly to be reserved exclusively for our spouses. As Jesus says, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus expands his hearer's understanding of what purity in the sexual realm entails when he goes on to say, but I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is saying, yes, of course. Yes, your your body is to be reserved exclusively, exclusively for your spouse. You know this. But he goes on to say, but not only just your body, but also your eyes and your heart. Your eyes and your heart and your your thought life and even your fantasies. These two, we, we rightly understand Jesus saying, these two are to only belong to your spouse. That's God's ideal of what true fidelity in marriage is. Our hearts and our minds, as well as our bodies, are to find joy and physical satisfaction Only in our spouse. And as we do that, as followers of Christ find and display this kind of joy and satisfaction in in affirming God's good design for the enjoyment of physical pleasure, both we and the world will be blessed. Christ calls us to purity. Christ continues then to focus upon the marital relationship when he goes on to call us to further faithfulness in our marriage. He does this when in in verses 31 and 32 he says, It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. You see, our generation is not the first generation to not take our marital vows seriously. God's ideal for marriage is for that to represent his love for his people. That's what we're told in Ephesians 5. Paul writes there in Ephesians 5, 31 through 33. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Paul goes on to say this mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband the Lord has bound himself to his bride, the church. And as God's intended picture of that, a Christian husband and a wife are to reflect that God intended oneness in marriage. And our ability to do that is lost when a marriage ends in divorce. The Lord intends for husband and wife to remain committed to one another and to love one another sacrificially for a lifetime. And in these verses from Matthew 5, Jesus speaks against the practice of ready divorce and an abdication of God's call to faithfulness in marriage that was present in His day and is also present even in our day as well. Christ calls us as Christians to faithfulness. And here specifically to faithfulness in our marriage vows and and faithfulness to our spouse. Jesus speaks to this again in Matthew 19 and Mark 10. when, When a Pharisee came up to him to test him, Matthew says, and he asked him, Teacher, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? Jesus responded to this by saying, It was because of your hardness of heart that Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. What God has joined together, let no one separate except for sexual immorality. One of the primary ways that the Lord intends for his people to function as the salt of the earth and the light of the world is through the institution of the Christian family, of Christian marriage. And we can't do that if we break that covenant relationship. As followers of Jesus, we're called to purity and we're called also to faithfulness. We're also called to truthfulness. And we see that in verses 31 through 37, when Jesus says, You have heard it said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Jesus calls us to truthfulness. And here he also pushes back, especially against the practice of that day of invoking the name of God, or or the throne of God, or the name of the city of God. As Jesus mentions here, Jesus says, no, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't have to do that. But instead, just tell the truth. Allow your character to be formed to such a point that you just giving your word is sufficient for others to believe because you've shown yourself to be trustworthy or called to truthfulness. And and, and we do this because we seek to be identified with the one who is the way and the truth and the life. God is truthful in all of his ways. And we've been created in his image. And so as we seek to show forth the light of Christ, as we seek to show forth the one who is the truth, We can only do that as we are men and women, boys and girls of truth. Followers of Jesus were called to purity and to faithfulness and to truthfulness. And, and and not just in the marital arena, that's where Jesus points to as his examples in these first two cases, but not just there because you know Scripture, many places in Scripture, throughout Scripture we are called to purity and to faithfulness and to truthfulness in any and every area of our lives. How can we hope to be men and women, boys and girls of faith, who would live lives that would look this way? Do we simply do that by by purposing to try hard in our own strength? Do we we show forth the beauty of purity and faithfulness and and truthfulness simply by sucking it up and, and trying hard to be a good person? Well, yes, certainly we should try hard. We should apply ourselves. But you know, as people of faith, we're not to seek to do that in our own strength, but rather in the strength of the Lord and in the empowerment that Christ gives to his people through the Holy Spirit. We seek to be people whose character has been formed in these ways through the work of the Holy Spirit, who transforms us more and more into the image of Christ, who renews us more and more into the image of the One who is pure and faithful and true, growing that Christ-like character in us. As we walk by the Spirit and as we live by the Spirit, as we're empowered by the Spirit, as we abide in Christ, the Spirit enables His light to shine in and through us, in and through our lives as well, more and more. As we apply ourselves to living for the glory of Christ and letting His light shine through us, The Holy Spirit produces in us the spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruit are produced in our lives as we rightly submit to God's will and as we rightly submit to God's word. To places in scripture like, like Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Where the psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way within me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Or Psalm 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. As the Christian applies himself to a God-honoring life and, and to the spiritual disciplines and, and abides in Christ and listens to His voice and walks in His way more and more, the, the fruit of purity and faithfulness and truthfulness are developed in our lives. Christ living in us, the hope of glory, as we're told in Colossians 1.27. There's another way that the fruit of purity and faithfulness and truthfulness and every other spiritual fruit is produced in our lives. And that's through our fourth calling that Jesus places upon us in our passage today. And that's our calling to the mortification of sin. And we see that in verses 29 through 30 where Jesus speaks to us about the deadly consequence of our sin and our need to rid it from our lives. When he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out, throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. Jesus calls upon us to rid our lives of any and every sinful thing. We're called to the mortification of sin. Jesus says that, that we're to take the most drastic steps, whatever steps might be necessary, to rid ourselves of sin. He does this as he makes the exaggerated point, but, but a point nonetheless to, to gouge out an eye or to, to cut off our hand if necessary. Why would he say such a thing? Well, he would say this to make the point of the deadly consequence that sin is when we tolerate it in our lives. Jesus says that if our life isn't a life where these Christ-like characteristics are present that may be because we have no part with him. In John 15 Jesus says that he's the vine and that we are the branches and he says that that every branch that doesn't produce fruit will be pruned. And he says if anyone does not abide in me and produce much fruit, he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Jesus calls his followers, he calls us to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But we can't do that. We can't show forth the light of Christ if we are living in the ways of darkness. 1 John 1, 5 and 6, John says, God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship in Him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie, and the truth is not in us. Friends, we must drive sin out from our lives. We must cut it out. We must put it to death. You know, for, for the Christian, the old man, our, our old nature has been put to death. And we've been made to be new creations in Christ. But, but still, although the old man has been put to death, still in a very real sense, we still must put the old man to death. Or, or, or at least we, it's important that we remind ourselves that the old man has died. And that we are now this new creation in Christ, free to live for the glory of Him. We, we need to remember that we have a new master. We need to remind ourselves that, that we have a new king, that we, we have these new allegiances. We need to remind ourselves that, that we were once children of darkness, but, but that now we are children of light and that we are called to walk in the truth of that light. We remind ourselves that, that we've been made to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. As we're told in Colossians 1.12, along with verse 13 and 14, Paul says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and, and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We once served the cause of Satan. We once abided by the system of the world. But now we are citizens of a new kingdom, serving a new king, King Jesus, in joy and in devoted allegiance. We must say no to sin. But we don't just say no to sin and and the false pleasures that sin promises but we must also say yes to righteousness. We also say yes to the way of Jesus. We're to put off and to put on, Scripture tells us. Turn to the front of your bulletin, to the, to the first page, if you would. There under that meditation Section I've got a portion of Colossians chapter 3 printed out for you. And this shows the biblical basis of of what I've been speaking about here. In the first portion of chapter 3 of Colossians, Paul shows us what it looks like for the believer to remember his new identity as one whose life is now hidden with Christ in God. He says, If then or since then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. What Paul is saying here is, Find your delight in Jesus. Put your emphasis upon the Lord. Focus your mind upon the joys that are yours through faith in Christ. Focus your minds upon those things that are true in the courtroom of heaven and delight in those things, not in these lesser things of this world, not in fleshly pleasures, but delight yourselves in the truth of what is true about you now as a follower of Jesus, as one who's been united to him. And then Paul tells us that that after we remind ourselves and we orient our thinking rightly, being based upon our identity of who we are in Christ, Paul then tells us that then because those things are true, we must no longer walk as we once walked, or as the world or as the unregenerate walk. But instead, we must put those things away. When he says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetedness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So, so we're, we're to say no to these sinful desires But notice that we're not just to say no to them or to seek to put those things away. Yes, we are called to do that. We put off those practices. But what else is necessary for us to do? What else is appropriate for us to do as the response of faith? We put on new practices. We put on, we clothe ourselves in the likeness and character of Christ. Through the power of God's Spirit. Continuing on, look what Paul writes. Put on then as God's chosen ones. So we put off and we put on. We put off and we put on. That, that's a one time putting off and putting on when we come to faith. And when we put off the old life and put on new life in Christ. But that's also an ongoing daily putting off and putting on. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And whatever you do in word or deed, in marriage or in singleness, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In Romans 13, 14, Paul calls upon us even to put on Christ. He says, put on Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And he tells us very much that same thing here in Colossians 3. The Lord calls upon us each and every day... As consciously as you and I decided how we would clothe ourselves today, the Lord desires for us just as consciously to give consideration each and every day of our lives, what we will put on. How will we be dressed today? How will I go out into the world today? The Lord calls upon us. To put on Christ. To put on the clothing of Christ. To show forth the fruit of the Spirit of Christ. So that the light of Christ might show forth from our lives. I made mention earlier about how in in Ephesians 5 we're told that marriage is to be a, a picture of Christ's love for the church. Ephesians 5.25 tells us that Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her and cleanse her. And we see what that looks like. We see what that took on this table that's been set before you today. As in the elements, we show forth the life and the body of Christ which was given, which was poured out, which was made to be a provision for sinners like you and I. Let's give thanks to the Lord now for the faithfulness of our bridegroom who was willing to give his life, to lay down his life for the blessing of his bride, the church. And let's pray that the Lord would allow us to serve as faithful men and women, boys and girls of faith as well. Pray with me, please. Father God, Jesus, God the Son, Spirit, God the Spirit, we we thank you for your faithfulness, for your love, for your people, for your love and faithfulness, Lord, to us. Jesus, we, we grieve. Remind us as we look upon these elements of what it took for you to redeem us. Remind us of the high cost that you paid, Jesus, to make guilty sinners like us free. Lord, we thank you for your willingness to go to the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. For for all those times when, when rather than setting our hearts upon purity, we gave ourselves over to impurity. For all those times when rather than living in and for the truth, we gave ourselves over to falsehood and to false ways. Lord, for all those times when rather than us being faithful, we have been unfaithful. But Lord God, we thank you that your word tells us that even when we are faithless, you are faithful. Lord, continue your sanctifying work in our lives, we pray. Continue to make us more and more into your image so that we might truly be the light of the world as you are the light of the world. But Lord, to do this, we need your help. We need your strength. We need your provision. We need your empowerment. And so, Lord, would you make your spirit be great in us. Not for our glory, but for your glory. Make your spirit be great in us, Lord, and produce an abundance of spiritual fruit, including the fruit of of purity and faithfulness and truthfulness. But every spiritual fruit, Lord, we pray. Lord, enable us to live in the ways that you would have us do. So that we might show forth your glory, show forth your light, so that men and women may see our deeds, may see how we live, and give praise not to us, but to our Father in heaven. Lord, that's our desire. Lord, enable us also to do this as you strengthen our faith here today through sharing in this holy meal. Strengthen our faith, Lord, through the blessing that you promised to provide as we partake of the cup. And of the bread. Take these common elements, Lord, and set them apart for your holy purposes. Take our lives, Lord, and set them apart for your holy purposes as well. We pray this in your most holy name. Amen. For our words of institution today, we'll look at that passage of scripture that's found in Matthew chapter 26. For Matthew tells us of the events of that night before Jesus would go to the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and for my sins. When he says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And he said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This is my blood of the covenant. This is the promise. This is the picture of the promise that God made to his people. We're called in this passage to not make oaths. But thanks be to God, he has made an oath. He has sworn an oath by himself, his word says making a covenant with himself that he would redeem a people to himself, that he would take people, he would take sinners like you and I, people who all too often have not been faithful, have not been truthful, have not lived lives of purity, but that he would take people like you and I, people who are rightly deserving of being objects of wrath, and instead he has made us to be trophies of his grace. We have taken steps again today in the preparation of the elements to try to protect you from anything that might uh, do evil against you. Um, in, In its preparation of wearing gloves and masks, that type of thing. As we've done these last couple of weeks, I want to invite you to come forward. We can take our time as we do this. Come forward either as individuals or a group of friends or, or, or as a family, allow one group to come forward to receive the elements, to step to the side, to take the cracker, to take the bread, and then we have cups, and you can go on, on either way here and then return to your seat. And then when the aisle is clear, we invite others to come forward as well. Um, do this in the time in which you desire. Um, Before we do that, though, let me ask, are there any who would prefer to be served where you're seated? Okay. If not, then we invite you to come forward and to receive the blessing of the one who is faithful and has vowed to help make us faithful. we partake of communion, we remind ourselves of the Lord's earthly ministry to us. In this song, we're reminded of the Lord's heavenly, ongoing ministry to us. Let's stand. <clears throat> Let's stand give thanks to the Lord. For those who are in Christ Jesus. Friends, the Lord has come. The Lord has given himself to his bride. And he is ever faithful. Ever faithful to you. Receive now the Lord's benediction. And now may the love of God the Father. And the grace of God the Son. And the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit. Be yours now and forevermore.